We're always talking about getting that next big promotion, but is it really all it's cracked up to be? In this episode, we'll talk about the pros and cons of becoming a manager. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here as usual with Miranda Marquette. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Today, we're talking about managing others. I don't actually have a lot of experience managing others other than like editing their stuff. But you know what it's like to edit people, right? Uh, I know a little bit about managing other people. I've had a little bit of experience with this, mostly with my own projects. It's interesting. I quit working a day job before having a managerial position, even if, uh, you know, who knows if a managerial position was even in my future. But I've done other things that are similar to managing people in various positions, But when it comes to actually having a say over someone else's well-being at work, most of that experience came from running my own projects, really. So what is that like? What is it like to be in charge of other people managing projects? Well, you do have to um, consider everything that's going on in their lives a little bit, as much as your needs in in your business. And And I think that something that people often forget, uh, especially as they're new managers or they're newly in charge of other people. So what are some of the ways then do you think that people, I mean, like, why do people suck at being first time managers? A lot of the time we see people who manage for the first time, just awful. They have a hard time with it. It's, it's a real pain in the butt. How come people are so awful, especially I mean, even though you would think, okay, that person would make a great leader. Yeah, well, it takes training. It doesn't come automatically for for people. This isn't a skill that is really taught in most people's lives as they're as they're growing up. It's not an opportunity that a lot of people have. And there is this feeling that if you are good at your job as a non-managerial worker, you will be rewarded by eventually moving up in the ranks and moving up the ladder and getting a role where you're managing people. You know, you're moved in front of the group that you've been working with and suddenly you're their manager now. The same skills that made you good at your job, good enough to get this promotion or or you know, be trusted by those who are making those decisions to move into that position, it's not the same skills that work well as a manager that worked well to get you far in the job that you had. And I, th- I think that's probably the most major disconnection between, you know, you think you're doing well in your job, you want to receive the managerial promotion, you receive it, and suddenly the skills that you need to succeed are a lot different than the skills that you needed to succeed previously. I think that kind of throws people off because we tend to think, oh, well, if I'm good at my job, then I'd be good at telling other people how to do my job. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just not the case. Yeah. So I guess if you know that you're a first time manager who's going to have trouble with it, 
what do you do to become a better manager? I wish I wish I had a lot of help I could give to this, but all I can do is just say uh, I've edited people and I do okay editing people, but I don't like it and I rarely give feedback. I just fix what's wrong and move on because it's really time consuming. <laughs> I mean, I'm a ter- I would make a terrible sure. manager. I know this. You've had managers though in the past, right? Barely. <laughs> a lot of the time. When we're talking about people who have managed me personally, uh, it's been a very kind of informal situation where I basically have a supervisor that I kind of have to report to, but I've always had jobs where I've been pretty autonomous. So if you've had managers, they've been pretty hands-off, and that is a legitimate style of management, uh, especially when you know that you have a lot of faith in the people who are working with you. Uh, You can give them a little guidance where necessary and allow them to succeed in their job on their own for the most part. But not everybody is lucky to have high functioning people working for them. So that's when management gets to be a little more complicated. I've had managers who I have not liked, certainly. And you have this opinion of your supervisors, whether they're good or they're bad, um, or you, sometimes you're not always looking as to whether they're effective or ineffective. You're just you're just thinking about that personal relationship and the way you work together. And as you grow into a management role, just keep in mind, you know, the feelings that you had as a worker dealing with your supervisors. It comes back to empathy, right? If you can, if you understand what people are feeling, whether it was because you were in their position at one time or you communicate and you realize what it is that they're thinking and they're feeling, then you're much better equipped. I, I, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons that I think empathy is probably the biggest, the biggest skill. And it is a skill. It doesn't always come naturally. It's something you have to practice. It's the biggest skill that leads to success as a manager. I like this idea of understanding the people that you're going to be working with, knowing how they operate. And one of the more interesting things that happened was the last real job that I had at a newspaper, there was that we all had to take this personality test that one of those big monster things that takes like half an hour to do and it evaluates how you handle situations and what kind of person you are. And this test, then it would do the analysis, and then our we got a copy, and our managers got copies, and our managers were supposed to use the results of the test to like better manage us, right? So if you were a certain type of person, then your manager was supposed to know that you needed set deadlines and you needed more direction. My manager got you know the results back for me, and it basically just said, "Tell her what you want, and then go away." <laughs> I mean, mine, mine was all about how much I hate working with people. So it was, it was kind of a fun thing to do and a fun thing to say, see. And I always wondered, what did my supervisor think when they received this analysis? Like, what am I supposed to do with this person? So I always wondered, like, what, what do managers think when they have to? you know, receive an analysis? And do you think this sort of an analysis would help? Yeah, you know, these analyses, and you know, I've done one, I've done them before in my corporate day job. Basically, everybody in the work group took a, it was it was a Myers-Briggs, and we've talked about this before, it was a very, very deep Myers-Briggs analysis. And it comes up with these suggestions about how you work with other people and how you how you communicate. 
And it's a good starting off point. I mean, it looks like it's scientific, but it's, it's a little murky as to whether the, the science really backs all this up. But it doesn't matter, really. It, it really can be used as a jumping off point. And anything that gives you the opportunity to communicate, you know, a multi-level communication between the workers and the managers at all levels any opportunity to open communication is going to be a good thing because then you start to really get some good ideas in terms of how to work with other people. And, you know, the the gains, the, you know, whatever comes out of this may be short-lived and that's okay. You just have to continually work on these things. I mean, it's just like, it's just like any relationship, you know, something you would have with your significant other. It takes constant monitoring and evaluating and working on it and actively trying to make things work better in order for it to work. And as a manager, you have to be the one leading that because your workers are just going to bounce off of you and they'll take whatever you are giving them in terms of, you know, the attitude, the culture, and the workplace. All of this is now set by you within your work group. So that's something to be keenly aware of because it really sets the tone for everything that happens. And you are the one who who has the opportunity to set the tone and being positive and being reflective and being being open, I think are some of the most important things to making an effective work group. Okay, so what are some other ways that you can become a more effective manager? Uh, we've talked about empathy, we've talked about paying attention to the different strengths and skill sets of your team members, but what are some of the other ways that can help you become a better manager? Well, aside from just getting more experience, and this is the kind of thing where you learn where you go, and I like the idea of experience more so than management training. I find a a lot of management training doesn't always cover the the finer points of dealing with people and that's really all that management is um you know that if you can find good training if it's available at your company then you can you can go through this because it does help you with your higher level managers and there's a potential of it helping you and increasing your skill as a manager but it is having to go through difficult situations with the people who work for you where you really get the opportunity to learn about yourself, learn how you handle other people, learn where you need to improve in your interpersonal relationships. That's that's probably the biggest key is just allowing yourself to be into those situations and finding your way to get out of it. And aside from that, I like the idea of finding a mentor. Everybody should have a mentor at work. Everybody should be talking to somebody who's closer to the position they'd like to be and and just be talking on a regular basis. And you have the opportunity to share experiences and get feedback from someone who's been through what you are going through right now. I think that's a that's a strong key. Okay. And, and how do you go about finding this mentor? We talk about mentoring a lot when it comes to business. And a lot of people think, oh, well, that'd be great, but how do I find a mentor? So what are some things that you can do to find yourself a managing mentor? Yeah, that's a good question. I know companies that I've worked with have 
systems set up. I mean, these are large corporations where they they think about these things, and it's good human resources practice to do this. But if that is not set up, or if you're not really having luck going through that system, I would reach out to human resources. They could recommend somebody or someone that you've dealt with previously in your business that might be a good resource. A lot of the time, people are so willing to help. And I know we get caught in this trap of what's, you know, what's in it for me. No one wants to do anything for free. You shouldn't have to pay your mentor, especially if they're someone with from within the same company. Mentoring is a two-way relationship. The mentor often learns just as much from interacting with the protege than the protege learns from interacting with the mentor. It's a two-way type of communication here. Everybody gets something out of it. So it should be easy to convince the right person to help you out uh, if they're not totally overloaded with, you know, perhaps other mentor relationships. So I would just reach out to that one person who you admire. And whether it's someone within your company or without, or outside of your company, there's got to be someone who's inspired you in some way due to the way they've operated in their business or the way they live their life, whatever it happens to be, just start talking to somebody. And that's that's all you really have to do. And sometimes it's as easy as dropping an email or leaving a voicemail or texting. You know, it's easy to do. And the good mentors, the people who are best at being a mentor are, are going to be more than willing to help out. Yeah, I like this idea of viewing people as wanting to help out rather than being stuck in this idea of people not wanting to help out. And the real situation here is, like you said, most people do actually want to help out. So what are some of the challenges that come once you become a manager? What are some of the things I would think that once you become a manager, you have a hard time interacting with your former coworkers, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that be one of the big downsides of becoming a manager? You can't, you can't just go out with a beer after work with your coworkers and complain about your manager anymore. <laughs> yeah, it changes the dynamic, especially if you were working within a group and now you've been placed in charge of that group. I mean, that's a dangerous position to be in because it can go very wrong. Uh, People will start to see you differently. They will start to act differently around you. You were once their buddy, and now they report to you. Now you have say over them in some form. You know, you might not have hiring, firing decisions over them. You might not even have salary decisions over them. But when the org chart changes, the relationship changes. So you have to be sensitive to that. And not try to pretend to be at the same level as they are. You can't just ignore it because they're not ignoring it. As much as you try to continue to be their buddy and their friend and their their coworker, they know that you are in this different position now. So don't ignore that. Accept it and look for ways you can continue to connect and, you know, if, if you had good relationships outside of the job, you should continue to have good relationships outside of the job. But as long as you're not ruling by fear, right, you should be able to continue to have good working relationships just by continuing to recognize that while the dynamic's different, you still are the same people. And the more you can, again, it comes back to empathy, empathize with them 
because you've been with them as coworkers. You know what a bad manager is like, and you can take that and move forward and make sure that your your approach it takes that into account. And of course, you might have competing priorities. You might still have to do types of work that as a worker, you you know, types of management that as a worker you didn't like, but, you know, with a different perspective, you just have to continue to adapt and listen to those who are around you. So what are some of the ways that you can build trust with your new coworkers? How do you let them know that even though you can't be like best buddies anymore, how do you let them know that you can actually still spend time together or how do you let them know that you guys can help each other still? The answer is really in the question there. I mean, it's just being clear with your communication about those exact things that you're saying. I mean, that's all about building trust. You know, just being open with your communication is is the key to trust. So you're not you're not doing anything behind their backs. You're always acting appropriately. You're not advocating for their failure. You're advocating for them to succeed. I mean, your whole goal as a manager is for the people who work for you to succeed. And if you have any idea other than that, then you have to get rid of that idea if you ever want to succeed as a manager, because your success depends on the success of the people who work for you. So everything you do as a manager has to lead towards their success. You know, take yourself out of the picture as much as possible. Whenever there is an opportunity to give credit for success to the people who work for you, make sure that credit is communicated to the people higher up. And anytime there is a failure that needs to, uh, that responsibility needs to be claimed. As a manager, it is your job to claim that responsibility. And if, if you start trying to pass off failure and make it other people's fault, or if you try to claim all the credit for everything good that happens, then you will not be trusted by the people who work for you. It'll create a hostile environment and you will fail as a manager. So it's always important. Uh, we've talked about humility in other episodes. It's important to be humble as a manager because that puts the focus on the success of the people who work for you. And that's one of the keys. I, I guess we've talked about several keys. This, this this is one of the keys to being effective as a manager. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing I just, I just watched um, Hidden Figures. And one of the things that really struck me about that is that one of the characters, uh, Dorothy Vaughn, she refused to become a supervisor without the rest of the people in her unit. So she was afraid they were going to get fired as this computer came to take over. And so what she did is she learned the programming language. She taught the people in her unit how to use the programming language. And then when they were looking for people who could come and work in the computer room and she was requested, she refused to come without everybody that she had already trained. And I thought that was really neat that she was not just working on how can I get advanced and how can I increase my knowledge, but she also made sure that everybody who was working under her and with her also were acquiring skills that they needed. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie, but that's really interesting. I think sharing knowledge is such a strong sign of a good manager. A lot of us think, you know, and it's natural that we need to hoard our knowledge because that's how we stay valuable as an employee, right? Everyone has to come to us whenever they have a problem. And, you know, that 
happened with me a lot when I was working because there were certain technical skills that I had that not a lot of my coworkers had. And so often, you know, people would come to me and they'd have these questions. And I would always make a point as much as possible to not just do things, but to but to show people how to do them and to share this knowledge. And I'm not saying that that makes me a perfect person, but I'm just pointing out that sharing knowledge is a great way to build trust and to build respect within within your work group. Because you, if you're seen as someone who kind of wants to do everything themselves, while you might be capable, you probably still won't have the opportunities provided to you as much as you feel you are essential to the organization. Nobody's essential, right? Everybody's replaceable, regardless of what kind of skills you have. And, you know, maybe they're going to need two or three people to replace you because of the variety of skills that you have. But if you don't share this information, it creates this closed environment, which is very detrimental to building a successful organization. And as a manager, the more you can share what you're doing and communicate, the more respect you'll have and the more success, the more trust you'll build within your team and you'll be able to build a better group that way. Yeah, I really like that. We tend to get caught up in the idea that you have to compete with everybody and that everything's this cutthroat competition, but it really doesn't have to be. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, people I've worked with will feel this way. And, you know, usually that is the mindset that is set by somebody, you know, higher up and they, they feel that competition makes people work harder. And so they'll set this environment where people are competing for rewards within the organization. And then that, it creates this negative vibe, which is which is very harmful to organizations. Some competition is good. You know, I've been involved in organizations where competition is an important piece of a lot of the things that you do. But when it comes to managing people, creating environments where people have to compete for whatever some reward it is that you're offering, whether it's a promotion or a bonus or something, I, I think I think these things just lead to detrimental behavior and you know the the what's in it for me attitude and none of that helps to build an effective business which as a manager that's what you're trying to do even if it's not your your it's not a business that you own you know you're still in that type of role relative to the people who are working for you so you just have to take that competition and make sure that anything that's competitive is friendly and the stakes aren't very high and you only use it to motivate people to the point where it's effective and you don't go overboard with it. Yeah, that's a really good point. So what are some things that people can do if they've decided they're ready to take the plunge, ready to be a a manager? What can people do now to start getting ready for that situation? Well, I think there's so much that we can learn just by observing other people. And I don't know anybody who's never had a manager that they didn't like. So I would start by just writing down the things that you don't like about managers that you've had in the past or a present manager. Of course, you're going to write this stuff down somewhere private, somewhere outside of work. So it it doesn't cause any problems in the office, but you want to focus on those qualities that you know aren't helpful to you as a worker. 
as you prepare yourself for a management position. And I think identifying those traits is going to go a long way. And you probably know what they are in the back of your head, but again, writing things down just clarifies everything. So I, I would definitely start by writing things down and, you know, evaluating the types of relationships that you had with managers currently or in the past. Yeah, I like that idea of thinking about what makes a good manager, writing down the things that you hated. And I think another thing you can do also is, you know, take a skills inventory of, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? So that you know what to look for in your team members so that you can supplement some of your weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you have a team, no manager has to be able to have the burden of the entire team within them. And that's why you work with other people. You can play off of each other's strengths and weaknesses. So that's really important. And another thing, as we talked at the top, is contact a mentor who you think would be a great influence and would have great insight for you to learn from. So that initial email or phone call or text message, whatever it takes to just make that that communication start, that relationship happen, and build that mentorship. I think that's an important key right there. Okay, so we do have a listener question. It says, I've been told I'm first in line for a promotion to a manager position. I don't know that I'm cut out to be a manager. Should I take the job anyway? And I like this idea because uh, sometimes we don't feel like we're ready for this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, we often don't feel like we're ready for any new opportunity that comes our way. I mean, I remember not feeling I was ready to go to college, and then I went to college, and it was fine. We're very adaptable as humans. We can we can learn from our surroundings, but there's this fear and anxiety once we're put in charge of people that I think it, it just feels different, right? There's There's something about it, because suddenly... We have this responsibility and the decisions we make affect people directly. And it's very clear. I mean, that's that's true in our lives all over the place. But when you become a manager, it's solidified in the organization chart, right? Suddenly these people have stems growing from their boxes that go right into yours. So it's natural to fear, to have this apprehension when you're presented with the opportunity of being a first-time manager. But if you look at the other option, turning down the opportunity, you have to be really, really careful if you're ever going to turn down an opportunity, even if you think it's not right for you. Because if you turn down one opportunity, the chance of the same people providing another opportunity to you in the future is going to decrease pretty quickly. If you show that you are turning down an opportunity, you better have a really good reason and it better be something other than I don't think I'm ready. Because if you're getting the opportunity, there are people who believe in you and they think they think and they probably have a good sense that you are ready, even if you don't know it yet. So take the opportunity, learn what you can, ask for help. You will get there. Big companies often have resources for managers and take advantage of those resources. Whether they help or not, at least you'll be moving in a little bit of a better direction and you'll feel more confident. Sometimes you can feel overconfident and that's why some managers have issues. But it it, it sounds like 
the person asking this question to us, Miranda, it sounds like they are very self-aware and they are not having a problem with overconfidence. It sounds like a problem with underconfidence, in which case you just get in there and do it. That's, that's really the best piece of advice I have is just do it. Yeah, it's amazing how much you can learn what you were talking about, the whole idea of experience and what you can learn like on the job, as it were. Yeah. And before we had corporations with training and before all these companies were out there selling training services, management training, and before companies realized they needed to train managers, there were still effective managers. It's not like we didn't have effective businesses before management training became a huge thing. Somehow it's possible and it's something that you can do. It is not a superhuman skill to manage other people. It is something anybody can learn. Being in some of the most difficult management positions, especially like the one we talked about earlier, where you're working within a group and suddenly you've been placed in charge of that same group, managing people who you know as your peers, that's probably the most difficult situation in terms of management because you've had an existing relationship and now that relationship has to change, even if it's slight. But getting in there and doing it is probably one of the best things. I mean, I I had a lot of training for this uh, in terms of managing peers when I was in school because I was in marching band. And if you're in any kind of organized sports or band or any kind of activity or activity groups or organizations, student organizations, seek out those leadership roles if, if you're still in that position because that will give you... I mean, it's not the same because you don't have as much say over the other people that you're that you, that you're leading being in management and having to make those difficult decisions is often very different than just being a leader of others who are your peers but there are certain things in terms of interpersonal relationships and communication that are very similar and training like that is often better than the training that you'll get by you know being sent off into a conference room for two days in management training. Um, so take advantage of those peer leadership opportunities that come your way uh, if it's not too late. I mean, that's often something that you that you gain as you're going through high school and college. But if you have had those experiences, you can see how how easily they relate to some aspects of being a manager. Yeah, and I think one more important thing to remember is that all of our growth takes place outside of our comfort zone. So if you really want to grow as a person and, and move forward as a person, it really does help to take advantage of these opportunities that maybe you're not, you feel like you may not quite be ready for, but it's that kind of stretch situation that is uh, where all of your personal growth and most of what you need to really become an adult and a better adult and a better person comes from those types of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely pays to move outside of your comfort zone. And first time management, you know, my girlfriend, Athena, went through this recently. She was working in a group. Her superiors knew that she was seeking a management position over the course of the last year or so. And she was able to get that opportunity. And it was it was a big adjustment for her. She started to see firsthand some of the things that her manager had previously said 
from their perspective. And just having that new perspective can be so eye-opening. Yes, it will be a challenge, but it's not a challenge that is insurmountable. It is something that everybody can achieve if they work at it and if they give it the attention that it deserves. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I think that we're good for this week. So what do you think? Uh, are you a manager now? Uh, talking to listeners now, let us know. Go to our adulting community on Facebook and tell us a little bit about your management experience. What was it like the first time you were a manager? What type of thing, if you're not right now, what's holding you back? Is there something that makes you not want to be a manager? We'd, we'd love to hear all these different perspectives. So let us know in the adulting community. You could also ask us any questions at adulting.tv slash ask. And if you enjoyed this episode, then you can subscribe on iTunes, adulting.tv slash iTunes. Give us a review there if you liked what you heard. We'd love to have you again listening to Adulting next week. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.tv.